Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 43. Hi, friends. It's your your friends. We're, yep. You're our friends. We're your friends. We're all friends We're, here. We are friends, aren't we? I, I would hope so after Good all this time. friends. After 400 plus episodes, I would hope that we're still friends. Otherwise, wh- really, what are you doing here? Yeah. Are you our foes? <laughs> I mean, that's okay, too. The opposite of friends? Yes. It's, no, I think the opposite of friend is indifferent because mm. a foe still cares enough to hate you. That's true. I, that's, I got that from some movie I didn't make. Mm-hmm. Some foe movie. Yeah, probably. Not a, not a faux movie, but a movie about foes. Yeah, I, not some kind of faux faux. <laughs> Boy, this got away from us quick. Uh-huh, yeah. As it usually does. Uh-huh. That took, uh, let's see, it says here, 50 seconds. Yes. Um, this is, in fact, the second time we are recording this supplemental. If, mm-hmm. if you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen that the... Uh, you may the have seen th- him rage against the dawning of the light. Uh, rage against the literal machine. Uh-huh. That is my H4N Pro handy recorder. Mm-hmm. Which oh. ate the episode alive. Uh, yeah, it sure did. Mm. Uh, yeah, I my my inner Lorca was yelling at my inner Bryce or Reese that's so That's so cruel. No one deserves that. I know, well, I do because I lost the episode. You going to be recording any episodes today, Mr. 90, Bryce? Yeah, ni- 90 minutes we recorded uh, f- answering 48 emails, mm-hmm. and they were all, they all just poofed away. I'd I'd like to play you the recorded screams of the people you let down, but they've been deleted somehow. Yeah. Uh, So uh, apologies if we don't give the very best answers to your emails. That material was done yesterday for an audience of us. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't Uh, know about you, but I instantly forgot everything. uh, Yeah, me too. (laughs) So that's fun. I tried to write down the funny... No, of course I didn't do that. (laughs) I was going to go with the idea that I scripted it based on what we said, but uh, that's that's a dumb idea. What am I even thinking? God, that's so stupid. I have a note here that says Enterprise Slice of Pies. That's not... No, no, never mind. Forget it. That's (laughs) nothing. Yeah. None of this is anything. (laughs) Uh, Of course... uh, we have not done one of these since last October. Uh-huh, so the letters six, really piled up at the door. Yeah, six months worth of, of your emails. Uh-huh. So there, there are quite a lot to get to. Uh, we, will, we will try to get to everything. We may abbreviate a bit. Some of you like your words, which, good, use your words. That's mm-hmm. a good thing. But uh, on the other hand, you know, we can't do another 90 minutes that I'm then going to throw away and have to re-record again. Yes. So, just so you know that. None of you are worth that. I'm sorry. You're all worth that. You're all our friends. Yes. But, or our foes. Know, yes. But we have to get on the next thing for mm-hmm. next week's episode, which we will which we'll, we'll tell you about a little bit later. We will. We will discuss it. Yes. Uh, the big news this week is they have officially greenlit yet another one of the uh, spinoff projects. Mm-hmm. So what are we looking at <laughs> spinoff-wise at this point? Yeah, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about how many we absolutely know are happening. We know Disco Season 3 Disco's is pick, a Disco's been picked up for Season 3. Yeah, and we know that's going to happen before the Section 31 the, show. The much lighter Section 31 show, which will be about fun planning ex- exploration. According to the star of that series, Michelle Yeoh, mm-hmm. she says it's a lighter show. So your show about a secret police headed by a, a, genocidal, a genocidal cannibal. cannibal. 
Yes, I've said this sentence so many times now, it should be second nature. Mm -hmm. It's like going back in time and stealing blood from Detroit. Yeah, it's going to be led by the... the, It's going to be about wacky get-em-ups in space. Yeah, I I guess it's going to be lighter than your show about a ship full of young scientists. Mm -hmm. I mean... That's how Star Trek rolls these days, I guess. I mean, she is goofy, I guess, like... If they embrace the camp, I guess, but that's a hard, like... That's a hard uh, equation to get right, mm-hmm. because if you don't go far enough, then it's just, it feels bad. Yeah. You got, you have to go too far, but not completely too far. It's It can be done, mm-hmm. but I think the big problem I've had with Discovery this whole time is it doesn't really know what it is. Yeah. And every time it tries to go a little far with the camp, then it's like, oh, wait, but serious also. Serious. Like, well, pick one. Yeah. So, okay, we got those two. The Picard show is supposed to be Picard happening, show's happening uh, sometime this year. We've seen pictures of Patrick Stewart with scripts and stuff, so that that's, yeah, that's the thing that's happening. They've cast people, and they've um, they've picked a director for the pilot. Like that's mm-hmm. that's for sure. Happening. A director who is Jonathan Frakes? No, it is a woman of color. The first oh, that's woman right. to direct a uh, a Star Trek pilot. Yeah, no, Frakes cool. is showing up too, though. Oh yeah, no, I mean, but he he's won't be on the show. Sort of one of the house directors. Mm-hmm. I still think some of that might be misdirection, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, so, okay. We got those three. Then we got this new animated thing that they have they have talked about. It's going to be on Nickelodeon. It's going to be yep. about a ship of children. Yep. Who stole a uh, a starship. Yeah. I don't... I mean, that's like a one-sentence thing. I certainly can't judge it based on that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like the best idea, but... It, all, it does sound like something I would have loved when I was 12, but... Yeah. Uh, We'll see. I mean, uh-huh. it's it's got possibilities. I don't know. And then there's the other animated one by one of the people involved with Rick and Morty. It's not yeah. the two creators of that show, but I believe the head writer of that show. A, a third Rick and Morty character. So I assume it's based around trying to find some kind of dipping sauce. Yeah, boy. Yeah, it's Yamak sauce. It's the search for Yamak sauce. There the you series. go. Yes. I am not the first person to make that joke. Um, So that's... Five that we know of. Uh huh. There and there's talk of, like there's talk about doing a Pike show. Uh, is there talk of that or is that there's just all been the... all, there's been a big fan reaction and uh, what's his face the dude that plays Pike? Yeah, uh, Anson Mount. Anson Mount, mm-hmm. great name, has mm-hmm. been very like no, we're open to it. I love these characters. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, Disco has now taken itself out of the prequel setting, mm-hmm. and if you're set on the Enterprise. With, you know, Pike and Spock number one and who knows who else, then mm-hmm. you could tell some stories that may not necessarily contradict canon because apart yeah. from Spock, you got it's pretty much an open book there. Yeah, you Whatever. got about five years before uh, Blank Pike slate is what I must say. Before Pike melts and uh, Kirk shows up. I still like the idea that Pike knows he's going to die. Mm, yeah. I think that could make for some very interesting, like, there's that uh, Hitchhiker's book where Arthur knows he's pretty much invincible because yeah. he's seen he's going to die at a certain time and place. And before that, he can do whatever he wants. There's that approach. Or there's <laughs> just the, like, well, I know this is inevitable, so I need mm-hmm. to get my affairs in order approach. Like, there's yep. a lot of different ways you could go with that. Maybe so. this will be the time that I get melted. Well, he knows it's going to be for the training exercise. Yes. So, eh, well, we'll today's the day. I don't. I don't know <clears throat> that I like. I kind of like the disco is no longer a prequel, and we're kind of out of that business. But yeah. if they went back, that would be the best way to do it. Oh, totally. And then there's been talk. Um, you know, Kurtzman is the one who's kind of running all this stuff, mm-hmm. and he has said 
he would love to do miniseries. He would love to do sort of one-off TV movies. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's, you've been saying for years that's the way to sort of go about it. That would be the anthology thing, finally. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a big universe, and there's a lot of interesting corners of it. Like, there's corners of it that have been explored to the point where we never want to hear about it again. Uh-huh. We're done with the Borg. We're like, really? I'm yeah, if done I never with hear from 31. the Borg again, it'll be too soon. Yeah. I mean, we definitely cheered a little bit when Control ended up not being the Borg. Oh, I was so happy. But. Because he could have been the Borg. Yeah, that wouldn't have taken much to do. Nope. Um, And honestly, I'm done with Section 31, but they're not. So No, they, they never will. Everybody yeah. got real excited about Section 31 in the last 10 years. Yeah, I know. You know, like. We've, we've talked about that a lot. Just that people think doing Star Trek in sort of an optimistic, wholesome way is boring, I guess. You're boring. Yeah. Not you, the royal you. Yeah, the people who say that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. It's like I've compared it to before. It's like people saying they can't write Superman because he's boring. Well, then don't, you're not the right person to do it. Yeah, you should probably write a lesser character. (laughs) I get it that you think that that's you fine go then go write deathstroke the terminator it's what you deserve <laughs> destro the terminator yes De- destro the terminator i'll be back cobra commander this is my son joey and my daughter ravager and my other son who is dead and my butler who is named after gum wow i'm you you completely lost me on that one these are all of the things i know about deathstroke the terminator I know that he is a character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the end. I was in the Judas contract. Um, all right. This is my Destro voice. <laughs> so we got the encore. <laughs> we got quite a lot of uh, of of Star Trek on the horizon, and and one offs, like I say, would be a good idea. You could you could finally do a Captain Sulu thing if yeah. uh, if Takay's down for it. You could. Give Michael Dorn, throw Michael Dorn that bone and get him to leave you alone finally. No, Michael Dorn never gets a wharf show. Okay, that's fine. But, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunities there. You could do a TV movie that gives the next-gen cast a proper send-off instead of, nemesis. Know, what they got. Uh-huh. Right? There's, there's so many possibilities. Yeah. And I would love, like, I mean, the whole thing about the, the Marvel universe mm-hmm. is that they managed to weave together a guy who built a robot suit and a guy from a magic realm and like uh, like a, a, a super soldier from World War II, like all mm-hmm. these different things, and then put them all together on the same team. And yep. you should be able to do that kind of thing with Star Trek as well. Like, well, I mean, that's the thing. Everyone's trying to crack the shared universe thing, and only Marvel's really been able to do it. Star Trek had it cracked 20 years before the Marvel Cinematic Universe even existed, man. And then they lost it. And then they did lose it. And also Rick Berman was in charge, so it wasn't perfect. But yeah. they did They did manage it. I've said this mm-hmm. many times. They, in the 90s, at one point, we had DS9 and Voyager and Next Gen movies all happening at the same time. And yep. nobody was confused. Nope. And they all made money. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly possible you could you could do that again. Uh, everyone's hard. everyone's baffled by it now. I But they already what, did what, it. <laughs> Remember the dark universe? No, you don't. No, I don't. <laughs> anyway, so this franchise is in an interesting place right now, and it's interesting for us because there's at least five TV series on the horizon. Yep. And right now we got nothing to watch. It's goddamn going to be feast or famine. I can yeah, tell yeah. that right now. Like We got well, nothing to do for most of 2019 as far as I can tell. For the first time ever, we're completely reliant on new content like... Yeah. 
we're 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 the only Star Trek show that ran out of a, of stuff to review. Yep, and we wept because uh-huh. there was no more Star Trek to conquer. Yeah, well, we have a plan. We do a real plan, about that. not a Battlestar Galactic plan. Oh God, no! But our plan may involve watching Battlestar Galactica. Oddly, I enough. mean, you know, it's on my list. We we might as well just go ahead and talk about this now. I keep teasing it like we haven't already mentioned it fifty times. Yeah. We will be, as we've said, covering various genre shows from over the years. Mm -hmm. And by genre, I mean mostly sci-fi, but I'm willing to bend that and say, because, you know, X-Files is sort of sci-fi, but it's also sort of horror, and you could go that route. Or fantasy kind of counts, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I'd kind of like to stay in in the basic neighborhood of sci-fi if we can. Um, And... We came up with a way to not get mired in any one era, by which I mean we're not going to watch every terrible show from UPN in the 90s, because that's my fear. Yep. Um, your greatest fear. Like, you wake up in the middle of the night, oh, God, I don't want to watch Cleopatra 2099. Uh, no, 2525. 2525. 2099 is about a stripper. Is, yeah. 2099 is about the Marvel. Yeah. yeah. But... So the the plan is we will do we will start like in the sixties. We'll one week we'll do a show from the sixties, then the seventies, mm-hmm. then the eighties, and then we'll loop back around after we get to the twenty tens. Yep, back to the sixties. And the first run of that we will alternate. Matt will pick a sixty show, I'll pick a seventy show, and so forth. And then we'll come back around so we each get a chance. I'll pick a sixty show, and then after that we'll start getting guests to pick. Things. Yep. And if this is confusing, don't worry about it. Yeah, it'll be we're, fine. We're just letting you know. There are there will be a wide variety of things. It's not mm-hmm. going to just be sort of samey stuff. And different people will be picking. Uh, and we will give you a week's notice if you want to, like, uh, follow Watch along. Watch along. So uh, at the end we're of the tra- show... We're trying to pick stuff that's, like, streaming somewhere and not impossible to get to. Yes. In fact, we will give you that information along with mm-hmm. what we're doing. Like, so, this, uh, this week it's on Hulu or uh, Amazon or whatever. I hope we're not going to say it like this. Cause, I'm uh, Gene Roddenberry, and I'm here to help out. Oh, come on, get out of here, Gene. <laughs> I guess I'll just go this way. Okay, yeah, just, uh, hey, do you have fried bumblebees? <laughs> Gene Roddenberry versus Kermit the Frog. So, next week, uh, we will be reviewing the, uh, and usually we're not going to do things quite this long. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone reached out and said, would you mind doing this? It's it's a little longer than your, your usual, and I, I thought about it and said, you know what, yeah, we will. Uh-huh. Uh, it is the five-part uh, premiere of uh, the Gargoyles cartoon from the mm-hmm. 90s, uh, which is Star Trek adjacent. Mm-hmm. It's got uh, Star Trek guys on it. Yeah, lots of, like, most of the next-gen cast did voices, and, and I know that a lot of that happens sort of as it went. I don't know mm-hmm. if they're all going to be in this, the, the five-part premiere, but definitely some of them will. Well, I know uh, Marina Sirtis and Frakes uh, play two of the bad guys. Right. And I think Worf's the main guy? I'm not sure. It might be, be uh, Keith... Uh, the hell's his name? Keith David. Keith David. I always get those two confused when they do animated stuff. Yeah, I could see that. Very similar voices. Mm-hmm. But uh, Keith David is the president. Come on. Yes. He's <laughs> also Saints. Keith David in the game Saints Row Four. That's what I'm talking about. He was President Keith David in Saints. Oh God, Row. that's right. What a great yeah. game. Yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> um, but uh, we will be covering that, and I know for a fact it is available on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, it's available on streaming. You got to pay to rent it. Yeah, it's not. It's not free. Yeah, but it is available through legit channels. So mm-hmm. if you want to follow along with us, you can. All right. So all of that said, we have many, many emails to get to, and we're already 15 minutes in. Yep. Let's let's do this. Uh, first one comes from Dan. Hi, Dan. He says, uh, 
The supplemental for Disco made me think about how some people want a hopeful future, while others want grimdark, and others want somewhere in between. I was thinking maybe what Star Trek needs is a Russell T. Davies-style something-for-everybody approach. And that's sort of that era of Doctor Who, where you had Doctor Who, and then you had uh, Torchwood, and then mm-hmm. you had the kids show. The Adventures with... of Canine. Yeah, it was Canine and the the uh, companion whose name I now forget. Sarah Jane. Mm. Oh, that's right, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think... I think We've said that we agree with that. Yeah, we pretty. No, much I, I I think that's a great way to do it, and it you know it avoids having to put everything on just Disco's shoulders, and then yeah. Disco can maybe just be its own thing and be better. Yeah, we've been saying that for a while. This show doesn't really know what it is, but if it has other shows to sort of contrast against, yeah, it won't have to try so hard. Uh, he also says you've made at least two references to the Venture Brothers in the last podcast. We we make so many references. We to um. Uh, Venture Brothers is one of is one of the touchstones. Yeah, we have like we certainly have separate interests, but the Venn diagram of of things that we're both into is is pretty you know pretty. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of overlap there, and our uh, our shared lexicon is pretty much Venture Brothers, Classic Simpsons, and Homestar Runner. Yes, and and the three episodes of Mystery Science Theater I've seen. You should see more. They're good. I watched the riff tracks of the day or of uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space last night. That's pretty good. Uh huh. I had never seen that movie until Rift Tracks did it. Yeah, it's um, it's something else. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of this because people don't talk about it too much. That's not a very good movie. It's not a very good movie. No, the guy it's who keeps com- scratching himself yes. with his handgun is amazing. That's what I was about to say. I haven't seen that in like ten years, and that's still the thing I it's, remember. It's the best, and he keeps doing it. It's amazing. Yes, yes, it is. Um. Anyway, we we can't like this guy suggests that we do a podcast about Venture Brothers. We've tried doing things like that. Discussing yeah. comedy is basically us quoting comedy. Yeah. Um. Long, long time ago, there's an aborted episode of the Sarcastic Voyage podcast where uh the two of us and Flunk tried to do a, a Homestar Runner episode, mm-hmm. and it just evolved into us quoting Homestar Runner for an hour, and it was completely unlistenable. Yeah. It's and that's what it would be. Like, if that's the kind of thing you want, just go watch some Homestar videos. They're yeah. they're mostly pretty good. And they're better at it than we are. Uh-huh. Strangely. The, they enough. definitely get the voices better. Yeah. And, yeah, a Venture Brothers podcast would just be us going, Sphinx, for, <laughs> for an hour. Or certainly nah, me just doing that. I'm not your friggin' mommy, Dean. There, yeah. you got it. All right. Uh, let's see. This one comes from David. Uh, Hi, he David. Su- he suggests that a uh, uh, Shenzhou prequel show mm-hmm. would happen. Yeah, that'd be. Uh, I, 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 I guess, I guess I would watch that. That's a decent crew there. Yeah, he says, uh, pitch an episode of the Star Trek show we'll never see. Star Trek Shenjo. Books don't count, Matt. That was oddly. Uh, That's his emphasis, by the way. He he put that in italics, so I'm just reading it as written. That was weirdly aggressive. Yeah, it was, Matt. How dare you? <laughs> I don't know, because what I no, it's only going to be books. <laughs> what I really liked in. Um, uh, the first two episodes of Disco, or the first mm-hmm. episode and a half, I guess, was the sort of Kirk, Bone, Spock-like uh, vibe that I was getting off of uh, Giorgio and Michael and Saru, and we oh, totally. barely got any of that. Well, and I, I also, it's it's got that dynamic, but there's also the weird dynamic of them both fighting for mom's attention. Well, right, exactly. And I, I like that. I like that she's gradually finding her humanity. He's mm-hmm. gradually trying not to be scared. Yeah. She's just gathering all these people like these beautiful people with potential like i love all of that and that's my ship full of weirdos yeah i don't know that there's a specific story i'd want to see but i'm i'd definitely be down with adventures like that well the 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 nice thing giorgio is such a good captain 
Yeah. Like we got so little of her and we're so completely won over by the like three episodes of appearances she's made. Just like she's just got that like that incredible just compassion for everybody. Yes. No, it's very good. I and it's still possible they could do like like evil Georgios went to the future with them. Mm-hmm. It's so which means Michelle Yeoh's still hanging around. They could do a flashback episode. They oh, could totally. Do, Here's something that happened on the Shenzhou back in the day, and mm. it could mostly be that, and then we could come to the present because something, you know, it, it relates to that in some way. Yeah. And they could contrast the dynamic of how Michael and Saru and Giorgio are all very different now. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I want to see that episode. Yeah, right. Because the dynamic between the three of them would be very, very different for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to see uh, regular Giorgio be completely disgusted by mere Giorgio. Yeah. And then beat no. the shit out of her. No, I don't think they'd ever, like, I think it would just be flashbacks. I don't think there would be, like, a sci-fi reason to, to actually bring them into contact with one another. But mm. but I like that idea, too, actually. I mean, you know, they've shown they can bring people back. That's true. Well, BRB writing spec script. Yep. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Dan. <laughs> Who's this Kutch guy you keep putting into the script? That guy's new. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> he was there the whole time. Uh-huh. I sure was. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, happy to be here on the Discovery, which I have definitely been in the whole time. Uh-huh. Uh, this one comes from Dan. Uh, he said, uh, if I recall correctly, I believe that the way conspiracy slash neutral zone were supposed to play out is that after the regular military coup was derailed, uh, oh, yeah, this is that whole thing about how the bug aliens, it was going to be a whole conspiracy. And oh, then they yeah, yeah, in turned uh, into the TNG. Because of the writer's strike and because of the budget. And yeah, I, I would love to see those... Uh, those bug aliens mm-hmm. come back at some point. I mean, it was a very unique, like, take on, like, a villain for TNG at the time. Well, Star Trek hardly ever did your very classic sci-fi monster aliens. Yeah. For and obvious it, reasons. They want yeah, the and it's a thing be, I like. Yeah, but they want the aliens to mostly be, like, relatable, you know. Like, the Cardassians were always interesting because you could see where they were coming from. We're your pals, Major. But, like, a slimy alien is always just going to want to destroy you you know what i mean i'm a gross parasite that lives in your chest and i eat worms and and i like that but that's not what star trek is and i know i appreciate that but okay but maybe occasionally yeah you could do i mean they did do a Mm one-off but if you brought them back that would be all right yeah you just come up with a story that runs parallel to that that involves something that isn't shooting monsters the 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 thing with that is that ds9 ended up doing it way better with uh the The changelings changelings infiltrating starfleet well you just you don't play up the paranoia angle you don't play up the anyone could be an alien thing instead they're just gross monsters that you can you know you do um only uh, they could be aliens starship troopers or yeah oh you don't have to do starship troopers you know that brilliant satire starship Mm -hmm. troopers Oh, the Riff Tracks guys hate that. Because <laughs> they did a very good riff of that movie, and people kept defending. No, no, you don't get it. It's it's supposed to be funny. Uh, Is it, though? Uh-huh. I, I loved Starship Troopers when I was 19, and I no, haven't it's seen made, it since. It's made by the dude who made Robocop, and you can definitely tell. Yeah, Mar- uh, Mark Verhoeven. Yeah, it is satirical, yeah. and there are things that are definitely funny, but there's a lot of things that are just bad also. Uh-huh. And it, it comes, well, anyway, we're not here to talk about that. They whip a guy for some reason at some point. Sure. Then I come out with whip. Uh, Dan also recommends uh, the documentary <laughs> Chaos on the Bridge, which I agree with. Mm-hmm. I have to still uh, see that. It's made by Shatner, and it of the of the two documentaries Shatner's made about Star Trek, it's the good one. Mm-hmm. He also made The Captains, which... Uh, 
which is just him slamming uh, Kate Mulgrew from as far as I can tell. Uh, slamming, uh, not exactly. Uh, it's just not good. Just fast okay. forward to the Avery Brooks bits. All right. He's insane. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Mike X. And he Hi, says, uh, hey, guys. So I'm taking a break right now from walking around at the Grand Rapids Comic Con with my 10-year-old daughter. I'm going to take a minute while we're resting and mention to you that the guest of honor this year is none other than Pavel Chekhov himself, Walter Koenig. Although he's obviously getting on a bit in years, so I'm having trouble separating my feelings about that from my feelings about Chekhov, the character. Nerd life is complicated. That is true. Oh, and by the way, we walked past a guy in a full-on Enterprise uniform. For some reason, I had to fight back the urge to wrestle him to the floor and tell him to make better choices. Don't know what that's about. <laughs> Mike, by the way, has drawn some amazing artwork. Oh, yes. Uh, first unsolicited and then actually commissioned. Uh, yeah. The, the cover art to uh, Endeavor Episode 3 is his. So good. But he's he's done some other pieces as well. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. Uh, let's see. From Steven, he says, uh, oh, he's asking if there were spoilers for Discovery in the when we were revisiting old episodes. And there almost certainly were. It's probably too uh, late now. But Yeah. Uh, we do our best, but we're only human. Look, once we reach a certain point, like at this point, there's spoilers and everything because we're now following along in real time. So yeah. it's hard to. Yeah. 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 It's just it's always there. Uh, this one comes from Matthew and he says, Matthew. how do you think the captains would have done if we switched their commands? Uh, would Cisco have been able to start a war that kills hundreds of millions because he couldn't get out of the Delta Quadrant? Would Janeway have turned Data into a coffee machine? Would Picard have also yelled at his prisoners while on the NX Enterprise brig, only to open the brig door, walk in, and yell at them some more? Would Kirk have fallen in love with the Changeling Lady and conquered the Gamma Quadrant with love? Uh, would there be no Archer on the Discovery, since his mirror self had his stupid face punched to death long before he could cross over into our universe? God, if only. Uh, we had a very good discussion about this in the previous version of this, actually. Yeah, um... Do you remember any of it? I uh, just realized just now that I really wish that Janeway would open Data's chest like a door and pull a coffee machine out of it. I mean, so just instead of cellular peptide cake. Yeah, it, instead no, it of the old telephone. school telephone, it was yes. it was a, it was like it was a, a coffee Mr. Maker. Coffee. Do, 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 do. Yep, that would have been very good. Open your chest, Mister Data. <laughs> By your command. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to say that. I like I like the chest door on Data also because it makes him more like Bender. Yeah. Captain, I believe you will find that I am 80% Zink. Donk, donk. Donk, Yep. Come back, Zink. <laughs> See? That's our lexicon. Ah. Um, no, I mean, the, the cop-out answer is each show was sort of formulated, like, to the captain's strengths, obviously. But I mean, that is true. But it is a fun exercise. I definitely feel like Kirk would not have done whatever it was that Janeway did to sacrifice. Like, they, they stuck themselves in the Delta Quadrant because she wasn't willing to do something. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. Kill the caretaker, probably. And Her, he would have like, just... I think it was some planet or something. Yeah, he would have just locked phasers on Banjo Man and gone back home. Yeah. No, like, no question. Kirk, Kirk doesn't have time for this kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, I think Picard probably would have spent even longer in the Delta Quadrant exploring. Oh, there's so much stuff to look at and people to talk to. Plus, Hello. I've got nothing going on back home. Shut up, Harry Kim. <laughs> and I only um, use your full name. Harry, Ki Harry Harold Kim. Didn't we come up with a stupid middle name for him at some point? Oh, we probably did. He deserves one. I don't remember. I, uh, I, I've blocked most of that out of my head. So you play the clarinet and the saxophone, do you? But does your flute bring people to tears? Do, 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 
Oh, Matt. Also, why is he playing the Jeopardy theme? I'm only gonna I'm only gonna cry at the Jeopardy theme when uh, Alex Trebek succumbs to his cancer. Oh God, yeah. Oh, that, that's the only time that that melody will make me weep. Who is the worst person on this ship? Who is you? <laughs> that's not how that works at all. I'll see myself out. It's not a question and a question. This isn't Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Goodbye. I'm already gone. You can't tell me I'm wrong anymore. Well, I don't even know who you are. I'm Captain Picard. Okay, good. Glad we got that um, figured out. Yes. Uh, Kirk definitely would have started the uh, the uh, war with the Dominion much, much, much earlier. Well, he never would have, like, the, the thing is, he never would have been able to last. He would have gotten so bored on Deep Space Nine, he would have, like, he, he'd be through the Delta, the he'd be through the wormhole in, like, a minute. Yeah, we always yelled at them for going to the Gamma Quadrant constantly, but he would have done it twice as much. It's the prerogative of all, of, of all good men of Starfleet to investigate the unknown. Yeah, but we don't want you here. Well, that's not my problem. Yeah, but but uh, risk is our business, mister. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Call me mister. Also, um, he called everybody mister. Mm -hmm. I put it also, to you, mister. Also, Kira absolutely would not have put up with his shit. Like, she came to love Cisco. She oh, would they would have come to blows by episode three. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do like the idea of Kirk being the emissary, though. Mm-hmm. There was oh. a great, um, it was a Peter David comic where uh, uh, the, the crew sort of crossed over. You saw old bones and old Spock on the Enterprise D. These are my they, old bones. <laughs> and they were talking about uh, how Kirk, the, the episode where uh, uh, Picard was worshipped as a god on that planet. Sure. And uh, he's like, uh, and Jim would have loved that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he sure would have. <laughs> he wouldn't have been uncomfortable by that at all. What shall my first proclamation be? Mm-hmm. Um, uh -uh. I really want to, uh, wait, that might be a later question. Never mind. I'm getting my, my wires crossed now. Yeah. Cause we've done these before. Uh huh. We've seen future visions from time crystals. So, yep. you know, time crystals, time crystals. That's, that's canon. Uh huh. Uh, this one comes from Dapper Crow. Well, hello, Dapper Crow. That's and he says, I, I'm picturing Crow T robot with his, uh, net, uh, with, with his slick. neck slicked back. Yeah, exactly. That's Dapper Crow. Yep. Uh, the best Introducing the Oscars or whatever. <laughs> the best Star Trek game is Star Trek... Uh, he's talking about when we covered the video games. Oh, sure. Uh, the best Star Trek game is Star Trek uh, Bridge Crew for PS4 and PC. It is a mm -hmm. four-player cooperative game where each player takes a different bridge function. You can play in the Kelvin timeline or on the original series or just starting last summer TNG. Yeah, Ooh. there's a VR version of this I would love to play. And we, we just... We've always wanted to do this, but yes. like the problem is... Get it is being in the same room and being able to do it, you know? Yeah, there's a, there's a VR place near my home that mm -hmm. does not have this. It has a lot of very cool games, but it does not have the Bridge Crew game. Yeah. Can you remember the last time a Star Trek game has gotten praise? Yeah, right. Like, I mean, this one, the highest this praise is... most Trek games get is, that's fine. Yeah, C. Yeah. C minus. <laughs> yeah, well, you did it. Yeah, but uh, this one I've heard, like I've read a lot of things from even people who aren't that into Star Trek. Is mm -hmm. like, oh, this is really cool. Now, apparently it really captures that Mr. Whatever, raise shields. Yeah, well, it's one of those classic settings, like in VR, you want to be able to wander around a place you've seen sort of on TV flat, mm -hmm. but now you get to be in it. Yeah. And everyone knows the Enterprise. It's true. You, everyone you knows the Enterprise. Be on the Enterprise. It's very cool. I mean, I would like to. I yeah. got to be on Voyager. That was fine. That's also, um, no, I mean, you <laughs> this know. Is, this is fine. I've been Boy. on the bridge of the Enterprise D. They had it at the Star Trek Experience in Vegas, and that was great. Yeah, I'm super jealous of that. 
and and I drank Quarks. It was fun. I'm real, real fucking jealous of that. Uh, look, if that existed, even at the very beginning of this podcast, we would have made it happen. They, uh-huh. they closed it down. No, if it had still existed, like that would have been the way to celebrate ten years. Yeah. Also, uh, apparently, uh, I did not think to take one single photo of myself there. Oh, good. So there is that. It, it's me and uh, uh, longtime post-atomic horror guest Bob, mm-hmm. uh, our, our old voice guy Dave, mm-hmm. and a couple of people that uh, our listeners probably aren't familiar with. A couple of people who were never on the show and don't count. Yes, exactly, uh, including my ex-wife. Yeah. Uh, but no, we, we had a, a fantastic time there, and we all had disposable cameras. This was right before digital cameras started becoming a thing. Sure. But we all had disposable cameras and took tons of pictures on that trip, except when we were at the Star Trek thing for some reason. <laughs> Well, Idiots. there's no well, there's no reason to want to remember any of this. It is also possible they told us not to. No. I don't know that that's true, but I'm there, gonna say there's there's a there's a shot that they said like, hey, don't don't do this. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Yeah. Okay, this one comes from John Wiggins. He says, hey, in John. the brightest the brightest star short, uh, it was my thinking that in the mirror universe they had eaten most of the Kel- Kelpians so that they would travel to the normal universe to catch fresh ones for eating. Yeah, before we knew it was the Baul, that's that's a very good uh, that's yep. a good theory. <laughs> that it was just mirror universe people that were so hungry. Well, there's that story about the uh oh, we talked about this on on our Discworld show Yes. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> there's this story about how um this crew full of uh, explorers, I want to say it was Darwin or like one of those expeditions. It was one to of those go... guys who were like exploring the Galapagos Islands. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was actually Darwin, if not it was one of the, the follow-on missions, mm-hmm. but they picked up this, uh, I want to say it was the giant tortoise, uh, and brought it back for study. And it, they could not get it from the South Pacific to England because every single time they got back, they had eaten it because it is so delicious <laughs> that you can't travel like on a ship for any length of time without eating it. It's like, guys, we have real food. What? what? Yeah. No, apparently it's like nature's perfect food. And they just they just kept eating them. And I just I feel like Kelpian might be like that as well. Seaman Smith, do you have a mouthful of delicious tortoise? Roll. <laughs> Spits out the shell. <laughs> Come on, man, that was over... our last one. It... it knocks over eight guys in a row and he gets a free free man. Wait, that's what? Donkey Kong. Yeah. That's also Donkey Kong. That's Pac-Man. Now that's Pac-Man. <laughs> what's happening? I don't know. No, what's happening is... Somebody will get that. Now the world don't move. No, that's different strokes. Oh, that's right. It takes different strokes to move the world. Yes. Uh, this one comes from Kevin. Oh, he's talking about how they posted the first episode of Disco Season 2 to YouTube. Oh, yeah. For nothing. And there was a huge, like, uh, it was almost half and half mm-hmm. uh, thumbs up and thumbs down. Ugh. Which is not a great ratio. Yeah, that's not the best news. Yeah. I got my problems with disco, but it doesn't get a thumbs down from me. I will tell you that much. I, there's a lot of people talking about what Star Trek is supposed to be and all that. And, and I, we've gone on at length about it should be more optimistic and mm-hmm. it should be less less torture and things like that. But I do feel like, and we've talked about this before, there's that whole contingent of people who think Star Trek should just be like next gen and that's it. Yeah. And you know what, guys? You sound like those people in the 80s when next gen came along and they were like, "It's if it doesn't have Spock and Kirk, it's not Star Trek. Like, Shut up, man. Yeah. Star yeah. Trek is a lot of things. Yeah. Shut up. I, I'm i not as happy with Disco as I wish I was, mm-hmm. but it's definitely Star Trek. It is. It absolutely is. 
And you know why? Because it says Star Trek right mm-hmm. in the name. Like, yeah. I hate Enterprise. I hate it so much. And it's Star Trek because it has, it, well, eventually. Had Some of it had the... Those first, those first couple of seasons, we can uh, we can say weren't canon. Mm, no, they were. I hate that they were, but they were. I'm Archer, and I'm just some dickbag floating around in space. <laughs> Nothing Nailed. I do matters. Bip, bip, bip. Nailed it. Uh huh. He make he makes the hard decisions. Uh huh. Now eat this glass. <laughs> it's delicious. Uh, this one comes from Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Matt has mentioned that he listens to a lot of crooners. I do. To- does he have any favorite al- artists or albums? Did um, you ever check out the DS9 guys' albums? I did. Uh, I actually one of the, one of the times after we did uh, after we did an episode, it was probably like one of the one of the big Vic Fontaine episodes. I went on YouTube and so checked most out his of album. Season seven. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I went on on YouTube and checked out his album. It's very good. Um, mm-hmm. the guy can sing real well. Um, I don't own it, but. You know, I don't own any CDs at this point. No, everybody streams music now. Yeah. That's, that's how it goes. Um, I don't know. I listen to, like, everybody you've heard of, Sinatra, Dean Martin, you know. I'm not yeah, listening. You don't have any deep cuts? No, I'm not listening to any, like, secret crooners that, like, that, <laughs> that like no one's ever heard of. It's ju- it's basically just 18 different versions of Fly Me to the Moon. Yeah, it's it's the Rat Pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did see there's a there's a promo out there for the ds9 documentary and mm-hmm. the guy who played vic fontaine is oh i would love to come back for more like dude if you come back for more if they come back for more please don't invite him <laughs> i liked him okay but oh they leaned on him so hard they, the they were there. they really did you know i don't have much many complaints about ds9 but the overuse of vic fontaine was not the best when you're doing your tear-filled finale and you're saying goodbye to your giant ensemble there should not be a tearful goodbye for a holodeck character no, although I did enjoy, I do enjoy the music that was playing from him during the no, careful no. goodbye. That's how you do that. Yeah, but you don't then also have to have a scene where you say goodbye, Vic. I'm really gonna miss you. <sighs> like, no, you know what? You're good. He sang a song. That's enough. Yep. Uh, I that does remind me though that there are quite a lot of albums by Star Trek people out there. That is true. I have not listened to probably any of them because uh, they just feel very cash grabby to me. I don't care to hear Brent Spiner sing. I mean, Old Yellow Eyes is Back was a good album title. Uh-huh. I, I, yeah. I don't know that there's anybody from Star Trek that I care to hear sing, honestly. like, Well, I'm sure Picardo had at least one album. He must have. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, and I feel like someone else from Voyager did. I want to say Tim Russ, but I don't remember. No, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, Yeah, but yeah, you know, I, I get <laughs> it, but it, it feels a little, feels a little cash grabby to me. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, you know, the less said about Shatner, the better. Uh, well, I do own the Transformed Man, his nineteen sixty, his seminal nineteen sixty eight album, signed by Marina Sirtis. <laughs> of course, it is. I'm sure I've told this story before, but uh, you definitely told it yesterday when we recorded this podcast. I did, but I'm sure I've told it on on the show before. Basically, I I, I was really shitty. I was twenty years old. It was a mm-hmm. con, and I I asked a, a terrible, like snarky question mm-hmm. about Shatner that she just kind of rolled her eyes at. And then it got to the uh, I will talk to you for a minute and sign things portion. And I handed her Shatner's album and she looked down and she's like, well, this isn't mine. And then she looks up. Oh, it's you. (laughs) And then she just signed it and shoved it back (sighs) in my hand. And I would not be deliberately annoying like that anymore. That's not my style anymore. But man, I wish I had video of Marina Sirtis looking at me and rolling her eyes and saying, oh, it's you. Now she would have told you to fuck off. Yeah, probably. (laughs) How about you take this album, which I had nothing to do with and shove it up your own ass? 
Mm-hmm. Well, there's there they were still making movies at that point, mm-hmm. so you know she needed our support. Marina Sirtis has no time for your shit anymore. Mm-hmm. It was the best part of uh, seeing her at that con a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, she's she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like the Carrie Fisher of that. Franchise. Oh yeah, she will just say exactly what she thinks, and she does not give a damn. People are fucking stupid. You all know that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Also, she calls Gates McFadden Gatesy, which I find delightful. That is pretty adorable. What do you think, Gatesy? <laughs> uh, let's see. This one comes from Dan. Oh, there's a there's a lot of these that are sort of speculation about what's going to happen next on Disco. And uh-huh. wh- while I appreciate your theories, you know we don't talk about things until the end of the season, guys. Yeah, so like, like, there's there's not really much to talk about here. Uh-huh. Oh, I know. I wanted to mention this one because. Um, uh, the P.S. on this is there's a bunch of stuff about Saru and how he really liked the Saru uh, loses his ganglia. Ap- uh, oh, yeah. Episode. Us too. Yeah, that was quite good. But then yeah. there's some speculation that, you know, either it, it, it went that way or it didn't. But there's not really much point to mm. talking about that now. But he says, P.S., I don't want to be a bummer on the supplemental, so don't feel obligated to discuss this point. Actually, this is the point that I wanted to discuss. Uh-huh. Uh, but I really appreciate the content warnings you put in front of the Laurel Tyler Vuk discussion in the previous episode. It's not a personally a triggering issue for me, but it is for many people, and I think it's good you treat the issue with the seriousness it deserves. Yeah, this is a thing we've talked about a bit, and I do not have the patience for people who mock the concept of, like, content warnings. Yeah, that bugs the shit out of me. Like, it has become, I guess, cool to not consider people's feelings yeah right like, like okay whatever hey i i i love the the it, it, this is devolved into just like hey fuck you if you can't take a joke yeah i don't i don't care about your feel like it's not that hard to say oh yeah some people might be made uncomfortable by this why don't i just give them a little heads up first that's yeah, all it, t- it takes a second to be conscientious of people you know we're not gonna we're not gonna change the content of the show per se we're just yeah. gonna warn the people who might be grossed out by and it's not even like triggering things mm-hmm. necessarily sometimes it's just like hey this was a very graphic scene we're going to talk about this for a minute and yeah we're trying to get better about that we're not perfect at it what i would love to do is go back through the archives and sort of flag things that mm-hmm. have stuff like that uh doing that manually is impossible yeah and i would love to do it but i also would like to have a minute to myself mm-hmm. but if there's like a website out there or something that goes through tv shows and says uh, oh uh there's some there's some pretty heavy stuff happening in these episodes here and here and the data is reliable i would absolutely like uh, transpose that to our episodes and say uh, maybe these ones these 50 episodes of the rick berman era talk about sexual assault yeah because rick berman uh-huh uh so if that if that puts you off maybe maybe don't, don't listen yeah so if anyone knows about like a good, reliable, like not just some guy's blog, but an actual decent. Like a source know, for that. Yeah. I would absolutely. Be extremely useful. Use that data. Sure. Uh, this one comes from Ben. Hi, Ben. And he says, do you think if Disco were 22 episodes long, we would get more focused episodes or would they keep still cramming half a dozen storylines in each episode? I mean, I'd like to believe that we would get more for everyone to do. There's that, like, you've got the space to, like, spend time on, like, you know, the bridge crew or Tilly or anyone who's not Michael, Spock, or Pike. I feel like they had, I mean, they already had 14. Mm-hmm. Like, there was room to do, I I don't know. I No, I think it would still be the mess that it is. Mm-hmm. I think they have this idea of what serialized TV looks like, which is, just, like, nonstop yeah, you gotta you gotta 
keep the, the the one story going, even if it means spinning your wheels for a couple episodes. Yeah, and just shove it in the background and come back to it, man. Yeah. Like Buffy set that example years ago, and I'm sure they weren't the first show to do it. But it's Buffy, the first show uh, I watched it. The early seasons of X Files were real good at it before it yeah. got too up its own ass. And then you get to the end of the season, and you're like, oh right, the big bad is still here. Yeah, and we face that. But for a minute, mm-hmm. you you know you spend some time doing other things, and that's yeah. just sort of looming. Uh, Doom Patrol is very good at that. Oh, nice. The the show that makes everything else trash. Yes. That is that is a direct quote from Amanda. Everything else is trash. <laughs> There's only four more episodes this season, and I don't know what our Fridays are going to be. Oh, when, I was going to uh, say, what are you going to do? I don't know. Watch a get, bunch of trash, I guess. I get heavily, I'm going to get heavy into Titans. No, no thanks. <laughs> Cy- Cyborg is the one character I wish wasn't in Doom Patrol. I'm not going to follow him to his own show. Yeah, right. Well, then you'll know all about Deathstroke the Terminator, finally. I, why does that keep coming up? <laughs> Uh, Swamp Thing's coming out, so maybe that'll be good. That, yeah, that that could definitely be good. Um, but so, uh, uh, Doom Patrol's doing this thing. It's it's very much modeled after the late 80s, early 90s uh, Grant Morrison run. Which is impressive as hell. I would have thought that would yeah. be completely unfilmable. No, it's not. Uh, I mean, some of the effects are a little cheesy. I'll give it that. But it's a TV show. It's, you're going to get that. They're being ambitious, and I've said this about Star Trek a million times. I'll take a bad effect if it means you're trying something new. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is... The way comics worked back then, instead of just writing six issue, you know, arcs that are meant to be published in a trade, the stories lasted as long as they lasted. Sometimes it was two, sometimes it was ten, like it just, sometimes you get a one-off, you know, that's just how comics rolled back then, and that's how the show works, and Mm -hmm. I like it. Uh, So I would like to see Disco do that. Yeah. I think they have a real pacing problem. And just... Doing a Star Trek show that that doesn't do one-offs is so weird to me. Yeah, I me too. It's like if, it it the, the 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 concept lends itself so well to the show. Like yeah, and I get ah, you there's hundreds your, of planets out there to explore. I get that you want to do your own thing. Mm-hmm. This is a new show, and it's it's 2019. You want to make something that feels more like 2019. Yeah, you're not doing it right. And I get it. Like I like serial tele serialized television, but like well, and Star it's, Trek desperately needed some some you know some fresh air like mm-hmm. everything fe- like enterprise for all its other problems also felt pretty much like the same kind of show as next gen was yep just 20 years later terrible. they were still making basically the same kind of show yeah exactly and now they're trying to be more like you know your prestige dramas your walking dead your game of thrones that kind mm-hmm. of thing but i don't think they're quite getting it yeah they're trying mm-hmm. but i don't think they're quite there yet yeah maybe next uh, year yeah, we'll see. When well, they uh, move on, their eighteenth from... showrunner. Yeah. Well, it, you got to watch the first fourteen seasons, but then it gets good. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Arissa. Oh, I've mentioned this one a few times, sort of in passing. Mm. Uh, she says the Sound of Thunder is the first episode of Star Trek I found unwatchable. Oh, and yeah. What she's talking about is the nonstop spinning camera, uh-huh. and the weird editing, and uh, lens flares. Which J.J. Abrams jokes aside, they definitely do a lot of that. And they sure just, do. Like. Uh... I don't get it, man. We've talked about this, and I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, man. the idea of like we have to roll into a scene is baffling to me. No, and she's calling out specifically. There's like she she uses the phrase motivated cuts. Mm-hmm. Nah, just make sure you bounce the camera every second. That'll make it seem more actiony, right? I mean, it'll make it seem more like I'm about to throw up. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. That's it, it's like the house style. Yeah, and I don't love it. It's it's different. I'll give it that. It doesn't feel stale, but it also doesn't. I don't like it. 
This episode of uh, this episode of Discovery was filmed by the protagonist from Portal. Chell? Yes, Chell. Is that her name? I yep. thought it was. It might yeah. be Shell. Might be. Like short for Michelle? Yeah. Could be. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Richard. Uh, so there are two people named Richard who mm-hmm. have written music for us because we are la-di-da posh fellows. <laughs> we certainly are that. We have... Uh, we have a, a a composer for our fanfic show, mm-hmm. and we have a troubadour, which yep. is this this fellow. Uh, he wrote the Rom song. He wrote uh, Keiko O'Brien, Miles O'Brien's terrible, horrible wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the catfish, so many songs. Catfish. And there's uh, if you go to postatomichorror.com, there's a whole section of that stuff. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's very you cool. should. They're very good songs. He says. I totally agree that pop culture references are not good in Star Trek. Specifically, mm-hmm. I'm refer- referencing when Tilly talks about a David Bowie song being her favorite. You even mentioned how strange it would be for someone to bring up a song from 200 years ago. So I looked up popular songs from 200 years ago, and most things I had never heard of were about Irish folks. <laughs> uh, there were a few recognizable ones, however. Uh, Old Lang Syne, Moonlight mm-hmm. Sonata, Star Spangled Banner, Home Sweet Home, and The Drunken Sailor, Matt all- Matt's all-time favorite. Is it? That's what it says. All right. That's, that's his parenthetical there. Uh, so not really anything you would say was your favorite song, but some that you would recognize. So, yeah, all right. I guess The Drunken Sailor is your favorite I, song, and books don't count. Or Matt. Lie in the Morning. All right. Or Lie in the Morning. Uh-huh. Which took me way longer than it should have to figure out. Oh, early. Well, that's because they're not saying it correctly. Yeah, this is poor writing. Yes. You stupid Go back pirates. to the 1700s. And, yeah. Maybe, uh, have, pir- maybe have a couple less drinks when you're writing your songs. Yeah, this doesn't scan at all. That's your pirate voice? Avast, me hearties. Ah, ah Jim lad. <laughs> oh, eggs, I guess. Ah, I gotta find me treasure. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's a chest with some coins and a skull. I, no, I know what treasure is. <laughs> I maybe, don't know what you're doing. Maybe like a cutlass or something? You know, I've known you for a long time. We've produced a lot of of audio material you can do voices uh-huh. i've heard you do them why is your go-to voice that now <laughs> it's the most fun to do oh that's fair uh, here's my parrot mm-hmm. yar yeah all right this one comes from I'm robin a parrot. robin oh robin is uh, basically arguing against our assertion that the baul were mm. uh represented as like just stereotypically evil mm. and he says that's the point I, i'm not sure i agree with that i don't like my problem with the baul is that they're like gross clearly evil slime monsters like and what yeah what you're saying here there's no way you can have you could have like another like like one of them be like oh i'm a good guy what what he's saying here is we're challenged to look beyond the seemingly obvious surface of both parties and in the case of baul extend understanding and empathy uh, when the alien we're facing is as repulsive and belligerent as can be the thing is i know they verbally said something happened in the past that we're supposed to feel sympathetic about, but mm-hmm. we never saw that. Yeah. All we ever saw was them cackling and being evil mm-hmm. and, and murdering we, people for centuries. Yes. If we'd seen a flashback that showed them being benevolent mm-hmm. and still looking evil, then that contrast would have worked. Yeah. But we didn't get that. All we got was them like living in snake mountain and threatening to destroy He-Man. So, <laughs> ah. yes, I guess maybe they were more like Mumra. Soon we will destroy <laughs> the Kelpians. Mm-hmm. I am yeah. a pirate. <laughs> See, now that's a much better pirate. Avast, me hearties. 
Talk like a pirate skeleton day. <laughs> uh, oh, and David writes in and says, Hello, David. just heard your righteous take on the episode where we first meet the Ba'ul. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so he actually agrees with that. All right. Good for us. Uh, yes. Uh, this one is from Justin. Oh, this is more predictions about what's going to happen at the end of uh, season two of Disco. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were almost entirely wrong about these, Justin. Sorry. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of it assumes Jojo sticks around to, to uh, run Section 31. And I that mean, ends. that would make sense, but that's not what they're doing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from, and I looked up how to pronounce this, so uh, if I'm wrong, then then blame the internet. Uh, this person uh, is from Denmark, and I, I do not speak, oh God, is Danish? Uh, I think it's Danish. Okay. I think you're I don't okay. know if that's the language they speak or if the, the people are Danish, but they actually speak something else. Oh, God, I'm so bad at this. Our apologies if we're wrong. I think it's Danish. I am an ignorant American, but I believe her name is pronounced Lisa. Okay. Uh, and it says, Hesa, I just wanted you to let you know about my winter. It's been rough, especially in February. Sad and stuff. Oh, sad as in uh, seasonal affective disorder. Hey, you and uh, me both. Oh, and if you, if you live up, you know, up there, like... Mm-hmm. Like Scandinavian regions, like oh, there's a lot yeah. more darkness. Yeah, I bet. Uh, but settling down with my favorite paint by numbers app and one or more of your episodes has just just been so good, fun, relaxing. Oh, thank you. So, and and I've I've uh, talked to Lisa on a, on a few occasions on on Twitter, and uh, she's actually up to uh, DS9 now. Oh wow! So uh, yeah, I like in all seriousness, like we love hearing this, and not not for an ego thing, but like. If our show makes your lives better, hearing that our show helps you makes our lives better. Yeah, that's a huge that's a huge like boost for me. That's just it's yeah, it's just we're nice doing because sometimes it's like, oh, why are we why do we spend so much time on this? What is yeah. like? Are we just indulging ourselves? Or yeah, is right. anyone getting anything out of this? And seriously, it's not an ego thing. It's not like praise us. It's <laughs> just like you know, nice to hear that it's making a difference to somebody. Yeah. You know, it's always uh, nice to hear someone cares about you. <laughs> yeah, I care about you, man. Oh, I care about you too, Al. Good. Uh, this one comes from Flonk. We also care about him. Yep. Uh, even though he asked this question. Mm, no. How long do you think it would take Neelix to eat Tilly? <laughs> <laughs> well, Tilly is mostly hair. Uh-huh. So that's basically a bottomless bowl of pasta from uh, yep. from Olive Garden right there. Ugh. Yeah. I had good eating on one of those. <laughs> Uh, oh, this is a good one. All right. Uh, John says, I'd love to get your and Matt's take on the reincarnation of Hugh, which seems to be a literal miracle, and the utter lack of anyone on the crew being bothered by the philosophical questions that would raise. Yeah. For a, sh- for a ship that claims to be all about science stuff, everyone seems pretty blasé about how one of the crew got literally reincarnated. This wasn't even one of those silly same episode deaths that got reversed because the show can't kill one of the principal cast members. Hugh was literally dead. This fact was acknowledged, and then they bring him back from the dead, and everyone's like, that's cool. And then we go back to looking for Spock without another thought. I thought this was really odd since earlier in the season, they seem to make a point of Pike having some religious belief slash faith. You guys touched on this. And you'd think such an event might cause a crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Hey, you, you would think that, wouldn't you? No, I, I, I am baffled by the fact that nobody seems to give a shit that this guy, as far as I know, uh, Hugh is the fir- canonically the first person to come back from the dead in, st- in the Star Trek universe. Um, yeah, I suppose so because that thing with Uhura with Nomad doesn't hasn't happened yet. Yeah, um, they might have pulled some dumb trick on Enterprise at some point, but I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> who cares so about it, those guys? It, exactly, it's it's possible, but like this should be the first time anyone's ever come back to life from being dead, and yeah, from- no nobody gives a shit. 
Because there are no, seven I mean, signals and a character from the original series here. No, and, you know, Stamets cares because his boyfriend is back. Hela, Hela, his boyfriend's back. <laughs> but uh, they don't care about the actual phenomena of, of the resurrection. Yeah, the, 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 what it feels like to me is, oops, we killed this character off yeah. and everybody's mad at us. Okay, we're going to say that it was all part of the story. Uh, but really, it isn't. What we're going to do is bring him back and then just get like get past it as quickly as possible so that it can be like he was never gone. Yeah, and the, one of the things I liked was dramatically, like from, from Hugh's perspective, mm -hmm. we actually took a damn minute to deal with all this. I talked about this when it happened. Like yeah. something life-changing, literally life-changing, happened, and someone is having a hard time dealing with it instead of just moving on. I like mm -hmm. that part of it. Yeah. But the the bigger picture of that should be, okay, but shouldn't everyone be really weirded out by all this? I mean, on a, what it feels like to me is what they usually what we usually like when mm -hmm. like is when Star Trek stuff happens and everyone's just like, well, that's Star Trek stuff happening. But that doesn't work in this case because it's the first time anyone's ever come back from the dead. It's no, not I supposed think, to be a thing that happens. I think it's it's uh, situational. Like mm. some things they should just shrug off like, oh, there was a magnet storm and we ended up in an alternate universe. Huh. That happened again. Yep. But, oh, someone, like, death has been part of the human experience from, obviously, since before we were humans. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be. This is kind of a game changer, you guys. Yep. But whatever. Yeah, it it, 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 it was not executed very well. No, and uh, we had a we had an email that I, I skipped over because it was actually questions for a panel show, which we mm -hmm. already did, and it came in a little too late for that. Um, but one of the things was calling us out for being sort of like uh, uh, atheist Maximus, I think is what he said. I mean, he's not wrong. No, we, we tend to get... And look, this show is from our point of view. We try mm -hmm. to bring in guests. We try to expand our horizons. But the fact is, the show is being made by two atheists, and that's who's going to be reacting to it. Yeah. I've tried to get better, and I know you've said the same. You've tried yep. to get better about not insulting other people's, you know, beliefs and things. Yeah. No, but I... Um... Is, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but all of that said, I really liked Pike being religious, and I wish we'd gotten more of that. Yeah, absolutely. I love everything about Pike, and we've never had a captain who's just like a like a good, wholesome Christian boy, and they did it in a way that I that didn't irritate me. I was yeah, fascinated. Absolutely. And they kept saying the season was about science versus faith, but they didn't really do anything with that. Yeah, they just—it's just one of those like talking points. Well, this is all about science versus versus faith, of course. I mean, and we're we've supposed both to just stand there. like, oh, yes, of course it is. We've both been there where you're writing something and your your early notes and your outline say, keep bringing this up. This is mm -hmm. important. And then you, you're almost done and you're like, oh, shit. Uh, I'm just going to pepper a few references through here. There. I done. Better put some more religion in here and there. Perfect. Got that's him, a not, good writer. That's not one of those things that you could just go back and put some dialogue references in. You really have to put some work in there. Yeah. And they did not. Uh, this one comes from Deke. Hi, Deke. He says, hey, guys, your best fan here. Mm -hmm. He might be. Definitely yeah. our first. He's definitely put the time in. I'll give him that. Yeah. Uh, without crossing the line to, like, Annie Wilkes either. Like, he's... Uh-huh. Like, really appreciate that. Yeah. So far, anyway. I, can, I, 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 get, I spend most of my workday standing. I would prefer not to get my foot chopped off. Yeah. I mean, he has my home address. He sent me an annotated copy of Worf's First Adventure. So, I mean... I love that book. Yeah, me too. And his notes were even better. Uh-huh. Uh, he says, love the first episode of Endeavor. Yay. 
Won't the Starshell Kraken leak now? And if it does, will the Water People declare war on Endeavor? What if they already have warp tech and Wildman's crew just found outdated data? What if the Water People try to drown Endeavor with their watership? Then Endeavor fires in self-defense. Then the watership crashes. Then there can be an episode called Watership Down. It can be about Endeavor encountering a planet of rabbits and inadvertently destroyed after destroying the ship of some people whose planet it inadvertently destroyed in the first episode. Damn you, Wildman! Well, that was a great first fan we used to have. <laughs> That's a good pitch for like a season eight episode. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, get we'll get back to you. Yeah, we have a master we'll, plan. So We'll have our people call your people. Yeah. Uh, do we have people? We'll get some people. Okay. You got some people? Get some people. Get some people. Uh, this, one, safe. this one comes from Ben. Hi, Ben. He says, hey, y'all. Y'all, where'd you learn to talk like that? Hattiesburg. Um, don't you, I don't know if you noticed this, but the actress who played Arium also plays the lieutenant who replaces her on the bridge, Lieutenant Nielsen. Yes, mm-hmm. we did know that. That is very good. This is a great, uh, great use of a of a uh, killing off the character without losing the actor, which must be nice for her. You know what is uh, Star Trek uh, has done this trick before, and it wasn't so good. Mm. Uh, was Sela? Oh yeah. Ugh. So sort of correcting the mistakes of the past. There, they killed off a bridge a bridge officer. And brought them back as someone I want to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead of maybe maybe the worst villain? Yeah, uh, almost definitely the worst villain. She sucks. Like, that that show was very good, and that was peak that show. Mm-hmm. We were in the best era of that show, and that was still maybe the worst villain of the whole franchise. Yeah. Now do it again in uh, season three of Discovery when we bring back uh, Admiral Cornwell's sister, Dr. Cornwell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one comes from James. And he says, if Michael fell into a red time hole and found herself on Deep Space Nine, how do you think she'd get along with Major Kira? I mean, I'd watch that show. I don't think she'd give a damn about her (laughs) self-sacrifice. I mean, obviously, they'd be at odds. They would hate each other. Uh And, you know, to bring science versus faith back into it again. Mm -hmm. You'd definitely have a lot of that. And also, Kira would still be mad about Kirk being around. So, like... (laughs) Yeah, probably. Someone's not having a good day at all. Yeah. I assume, yeah, we're still we're still doing that. So, yeah, <laughs> Kira really does not get a good shake out of out of all that. Maybe we need to trade her off to, to a different ship. Too. Yeah, <laughs> send um, her send her off to to uh, Archer's Enterprise. She can fucking yell at him. Well, only a third of the crew is women, so you'd have to get rid of a different one, I guess. Oh God, I guess that's true. But yeah. a third of the crew is women, and that's important. Uh, apparently, it is. <laughs> Good job, Rick Berman. Yeah, you nailed it. Ugh, go you, fuck yourself. You piece of shit. Uh, this one comes from Anthony. He says, just a slightly different interpretation of what was going on in the time crystal scene. It looked to me like the tree, not like the trees were growing the crystals, but rather that the monks were burying the crystals by the trees to make them grow faster, like speed gardening. Hmm. Normal monks would guide the growth of the trees around the arch of the hallway as a form of meditation. So, of course, Discovery's time monks use the crystals to cheat as a form of becoming one with the time crystals? <laughs> Yeah, I, I could sure. have definitely misinterpreted that. Yep. I, that is less stupid for sure. Uh, he says, also, I love the idea that when presented with a baby, the monks look at each other, shrug, and place time crystals all around its crib to make it grow up faster. I mean, like, same. I also don't want to raise this baby. Like, Yeah. I I get get the child to the point where it can walk and talk. And I am not, like, I, I, I am kind of invested. I don't, I don't mind children, you know. Once you can communicate with them. Mm-hmm. It's super frustrating, like because I, you know, I've I've done my share of babysitting. Also, sure. my brother was significantly younger than me, so like I've I've you know, I've dealt with young children, and like, 
he, you know, it's, it's horrible when you can't ask them what's wrong or figure out, you know, like once they can talk, it's so much easier. See, here's my thinking is you fast forward the baby through the whole childhood thing so that it becomes an adult, then it can move away and you don't have to deal with it. Problem solved. Well, okay. Also good. I mean, the the baby is half Lieutenant Ash Tyler. You, mm-hmm. you want to get rid of that as quickly. I definitely you know. want that as far away from from me as possible. Plus, you, you want to rip that out by the roots. Yeah. Plus, it means that it's less likely he'll come and visit. Also true. Like, uh, like I want to open the door and have him stare. <gasps> Can I see my son? <laughs> I think you're, that was too wheezy. I think you you did some inhaling there. It all needs to. Be- <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Brother. Yep. I mean, there's, no there's son. You're here there. to see your son. You dumb. Turn around. Get out of here. <sighs> yep. There Hot he goes. There he goes. Hot breath. Curdling the bag salad that he is. <laughs> uh oh. Deke has what a suggested... great character. No. <laughs> Deke has suggested that we review the Star Trek porn parodies. We actually did that. Yeah, we a did back ago. in uh, a long time ago. Very long time ago, it was uh, there was a next gen porn parody that was actually like written to be canonical. Mm-hmm. It fits in like it's a it's a sequel to Yesterday's Enterprise, and uh, we watched the just the talking parts. Like someone had edited the non sex scene parts together. Yeah, on YouTube, and uh, I remember it not being terrible. Yeah, don't watch porn being, with your friends. Well, we didn't watch the porn; we just watched the the talking parts. It was, it was still upsetting. Yeah. I remember it being better than a lot of the fan films we watched. I mean, not as good as the uh, not as good as the Batman porn we watched. Well, that's true. Uh, this one comes from Flonk, and he says, "Sup, fools! Uh, what if Tilly became friends with a mushroom to show how friendly she is? Then it wouldn't be out of place when Poe shows up." Anyway, this is what I think about at two a.m. I mean, from what I know about Super Mario Brothers, if she became friends with a mushroom, she would get significantly bigger. Mm-hmm. And would her hair grow as well? I mean, you could only hope. Yeah, I love that giant hair. Like, in a yeah, video right. game, her whipping her hair at people would be her, her power for sure. Yeah, or if, you know, by Mario rules, it would allow her to fly. Yeah. Or possibly turn into a statue? I'm not sure. Uh, or a raccoon with, definitely not with giant balls? Uh-huh, definitely I not. I don't know. I played a, um, I played a weird uh, hacked version of, uh, like, the, I, I got a bunch of ROMs for, not not that ROM. <laughs> Brother? Of uh, old, uh, like video games and sure. a bunch of like alternate versions of, of different games. And some of them yeah, were I, terrible. I, I remember about having a bunch of those when I was, when yeah. I was in high school and most of them were horribly offensive. Uh, there was a, I would say like 10% of them were very, very racist. Uh huh. Not just like, Oh, here's a dumb word that some teenager used that they don't understand. No, like, like they put a lot of work into the race. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was fun. But there was one that was legit good that I wish someone could make on Mario Maker, but mm. it's so different that you can't. It's Mario 3, but you play as uh, Peach, uh, and your power-up turns you into a mermaid. Oh, that's cool. That was super cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Flonk says, also, Star Wars now has a character named Kira, mm-hmm. and Star Trek now has a character named Poe. That's weird, right? I mean, I guess. You know, there's only so many syllables. Yeah, and uh, as guys now writing our own sort of sci-fi thing, constantly having to come up with names Mm -hmm. i suddenly have a much greater appreciation yeah like when i wrote my dumb comedy soap opera i deliberately made the most ridiculous stupid names i could think of sure but for star trek you can't like you can't have everyone's name be a joke yeah i did do one there is the klingon Mm -hmm. but that's it i say okay 
Only one character can have a joke name. Everyone else has to have a normal name. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, it is it is a constant challenge. That said, Poe uh, Tilly's friend Poe, the the queen of uh, Zahia, mm-hmm. uh, spells her name P O and not P O E, and I don't know how, but I can tell the difference. Like I, when I say it out loud, Poe sounds different than Poe. Yeah, I don't know how to convey that to anyone else, <clears throat> but that's how I see it. Uh, I will say this: the movie that features the Star Wars character Kira is not very good, so it's a lot easier to ignore. Oh, you talking about Solo colon a Star Wars story? Yeah, that movie was not very good. It felt like they'd had a list of things they wanted to do, and they just did those things as passion passionlessly as possible. Well, I mean, it's almost like if you uh, if you completely halt production on a movie and then restart it with a different director and script, that it's not as good. Hmm. Oh, wait, are we talking about Ant Man? Maybe. Okay. Um. No, I I, I mean, like Ant Man, but. Uh... Yeah, but it, d- it would have been. What it, yeah, no, yeah. it would have been. In, it would have been so much better if it had if they had kept st- stuck with Edgar Wright. I mean, everyone like this is a conversation a million nerds have had. We are yeah. not covering new ground here, but yes, well, of course. Not to get off on a tangent, but if there's one thing they've learned going forward, it's that if you get you find a director with like a real vision and let them do what they want, you're going to get something like Thor Ragnarok, which might be the <laughs> the best movie they put out. I well, see, I don't want to get a lot of hate mail. I didn't love that one. Fair enough. I loved about half of that one. I loved all the wacky space stuff, and then mm-hmm. they would cut back to, like, Evil Skeletor, and it's like, I was bored. I also love Evil Skeletor, so. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm very much in the minority there. Are you a Thor guy? You're not a Thor guy, right? I have no opinion of Thor. I yeah. actually liked the first movie, okay, for similar reasons. I thought Kenneth Branagh was a unique voice. Yeah. Like, in the early Marvel movies, I thought uh, Favreau and Kenneth Branagh and uh, what's-his-name who directed Cap, I thought they were all very different enough. And then sort of in the middle of the Marvel thing, they kind of all I think got they a sort little of, They got a little nervous. Yeah. And it's like, but the, the reason this all worked is because you gave each very different character to very different directors. Yeah. You need to get back to that. Mm-hmm. And I think they're starting to do that, so that's good. Uh, this one comes from Irish Gav. All right, hi. He says, hello, my question is thusly. <laughs> Rank the first two seasons of every Star Trek show. Hmm. Well, I I remember from our previous discussion, the, the uh, uh, sort of conventional wisdom that the first season of every Star Trek show is bad really annoys me. Yeah. It's like that odd number rule about the movies, which is just wrong. And Gav, of all people, will recognize this because he fucking loves Star Trek 3 so yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, I mean, like, original series is first season is pretty good. It's, it's some of the it's very best the episodes best are in, in the it. first season. Yeah, definitely the first two. There's a handful of good ones in three, but like, you got the Corbomite maneuver. You got uh, City on the Edge of Forever. Like, you make your top ten list of the best original series episodes. Quite a lot of them come out of that first season. Absolutely, few of them come from season three. Like, there's the Enterprise in it. There's the Tholian Web, and that might be it. Yeah. I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but no. Uh, the, the from thinking about it now, the only one with a really bad first season was TNG. Yeah, I mean DS Nine had duet in its first season, yep. which was an amazing episode. DS Nine, I always go back to this. Like it took us a while to realize that they were bad episodes in Deep Space Nine in season I, one. There were yeah, there of course there were. There but, absolutely were, but for the first chunk, we were like, these are so good. Yeah, the the pilot was amazing. Mm-hmm. Then there was a couple of really great ones, like Garrick shows up in episode two. Yep. Like, there's some really great ones right off the bat. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, there's some duds, of course. And there's fewer duds going forward. So I guess, by comparison, season one's not as good. Yeah. It might be the weakest one, but it's still 
like I don't know. And we liked Voyager early on way more than we liked yeah. later. Like we liked Seven and we liked uh, Naomi, but uh, there were a lot of things in the earlier seasons that we liked much more than we did in the later ones. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I just, I think that argument and Enterprise just sucked the whole time. Yeah, I, I have no opinion on Enterprise at this point, other than that it was trash. Mm, I think it got worse. I mean, season three was like definitely the worst season of any Star Trek we've seen. Oh yeah. Because that was the serialized torture one. Yeah, but, like, I can't, like, I don't remember anything from season one. I kind of remember the pilot, and I think season one had that episode with Trip and uh, uh, Malcolm stuck on the shuttle. That, but otherwise, I can't, yeah. couldn't tell you anything about it. No, I, I remember a few things here and there, and it was it was very dull, mm-hmm. is the thing. And then it got, a, like, then it got offensively bad. Yeah. But I think the argument that, oh, you just got to wait a season for Star Trek to get good. First of all, TV doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah. But second of all... Apart from next gen, that's never how Star Trek has exactly worked. Yeah. Like, yeah, DS9 got better, but it already was pretty good. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, This is from Rob. Rob Rob. says, hey, guys, recently I decided to play a drinking game with Discovery. Every time Spock gets mentioned, take a drink. Oh, no. I almost died. Oh, don't do that. And and I put the picture in the show notes. It is a picture of, of Rob splayed out on the ground, surrounded by bottles and cans. It's very good. Oh, my God. And that's before he even, Spock even starts talking. Like, by the yeah, time the guy shows up. Yeah, this is like episode four up, or five. Oh, yeah. dear. No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Ben. He says, hi, Matt and Al. Not sure if you heard about the fan who is using deep learning. Deep learning. Deep hurting. To remaster Final Fantasy VII. But the same fan is also working on giving Deep Space Nine the same treatment. Yeah, this is... Oh, God, I am going to show my ignorance here. Uh-huh. They're using artificial intelligence to make uh, standard def video into high def video. Okay. It it works, and there's a link, and we'll put it in the show notes so you can see it if you haven't already. Like, this story was making the rounds about a month ago. A lot mm-hmm. of you might have already seen it. I do not understand how you can take, like, footage that doesn't have high def information in it and make it better. That doesn't that doesn't make sense. Yeah, to it's me. completely baffling to me. Like, what? It's like, how do you make... Uh, uh, an 8-bit Nintendo game into a Super Nintendo game, like, you can't. Mm-hmm. You, you you have to reprogram it, right? Uh, I don't understand at all. Yeah, right? Just, I, 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 I don't I also haven't read this link. With this, I, yeah. I should probably look at the link because mm. I'm showing my ignorance here. Uh, this one comes from John Wiggins. Oh, he sent us a Photoshop of, uh, remember we talked about uh, Pike and Mike? Uh-huh. I think that was, I think Nate coined that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he made a, a box of Pike and Mike's candies, which is very good. Uh, last question from Evan. Mm-hmm. Evan says, where are all the reporters in, in the Star Trek universe? Universes? I only recall the ones on the bridge from Generations and Cisco, Jake Cisco. Um, Excellent question there in the first episode of Endeavor. Yes, we we definitely, uh, uh, we, we played characters, you and I did, uh-huh. uh, that I named Woodwarp and Burnstar. Oh, God. Speaking of terrible names, they uh-huh. don't say them out loud, so no. it's okay. I just didn't want to put reporter one, reporter two. Uh, but for for them, I don't know. I think just be, the military setting means you don't get a lot of interaction. Like, we don't see most civilian jobs. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be an interesting Star Trek series or one-off or whatever. Like, seeing just how, like, more traditional professions that aren't the military or scientists live in this yeah. world, you know? Like, how do you, like, I don't know. How does Papa Cisco run a restaurant in the future? We talked about that a little bit. Yeah, it's weird. But like, how does a reporter work? Like, how what is what is the state of of like 
print and broadcast no, journalism we, in the 24th century. What is, you know, we don't know any of that stuff. We touch on it a little bit with Jake, but... Uh, Just a little. Not not that much, because that would require him to get out of bed. <laughs> well, right. He'd have to he'd have to go to the replicator and get one of those uh, pieces of paper that says press uh-huh. and then get a hat and put it in the hat and that's just way too much. Yeah, work. forget that. I'm going back to bed. Yeah, I have uh, to sleep through Nog yelling at me for three hours because he got yelled at in boot camp and he thinks that's the only way to get someone out of bed now. Yep. No, I don't like. I feel like there's so many parts of this, and that was never the point. The point of Star Trek is you know the military slash science people exploring, but. You've built this world for so long now. I'm kind of curious. How yeah. how do people live on Earth? What Absolutely. Are they, what are the, like, you know, sort of traditional, like, jobs? What are they like? Mm-hmm. Of course, then you'd have to get into how the economy works, and uh, that, that makes the whole thing. <laughs> that way lies madness. Yes, it sure does. Um, all right, so that's it. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk briefly about our fanfic project Endeavor. I know mm-hmm. we, we plugged this, but I uh, wanted to talk about it a little more. Yes. Um, we... Uh, are putting out, by the time you hear this, episode three will be on its way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's available to the Patreon people now. It is available to everyone on the 1st of May. Yep. Um, we, we already have the script for four done. We're already starting to work on five. Like, we have a whole 10-episode season planned out, and we're very excited about all that. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, we have never known, from, from minute one, we've been podcasting together for 10 years now. 10 of them. Mm-hmm. 10. 10 years. A decade. Yep. We still don't know how to, like, advertise yeah it's, we still it's, don't know how to get hard. people to look at the thing like i'm so thankful that all of you who are listening have found this show i don't know how you did it yeah i don't know where because it's not like we get any media coverage yeah and uh, it's not like i know occasional how to... uh Ko- kotaku article that is true Th- that thanks is true. mike fahey huge shout out to mike fahey that the is beautiful that is human true. being but i feel like being the only Star Trek podcast to cover the entire franchise should have maybe gotten us a little, just a, just a, a mention from someone. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, I have cut out like 10 bitter rantings about this on various episodes that <laughs> haven't made it out. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to not going to spend 10 minutes on that. Mm. Uh, but the, 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 the problem is we have a good listenership here. That's not part of the problem. The problem is I don't know how we got you guys. And so, therefore, I don't know how to duplicate that for Endeavor. Yeah. Um, I want people to listen to it, but I don't know how to get them there. Yeah, we are, we're we're pouring everything we have into into Endeavor, and it would be good if you know some people heard it. And it's weird because people call it a podcast, and obviously it is a podcast. It's mm. distributed Probably. via podcast things, but I don't really think like when I market it, I don't think about it that way because podcast is like what we're doing now. It's people talking. This is a whole production. It's a show. It's a it's a you know the radio dramas. Yeah. And uh, that might be part of, like, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to listen to a podcast. Like, well, that's fine. But this is this is more like watching a TV show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But we're, we're very excited about it. We have some incredibly talented people involved with it. We're, we're very passionate. This is sort of like the last 10 years of Matt and I working together. And we've been working together longer than this. Even, yeah. But but the last 10 years of podcasting, of, of producing audio, of writing together, of uh, watching all of Star Trek and thinking about it, like, has culminated in this. Yeah. And if you're not into it, that's great, but I bet you know someone who might be. Yeah. So just, you know, just, just mention it to them, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and also, we're going to, um, if you have questions or comments about Endeavor, by all means, send them to us. Uh, when we're finished with this first 10-episode uh, season, we're probably going to do an episode of that where we do sort of creator commentary. Yeah. 
where we're going to talk about like we'll we'll answer questions if there are any and we'll talk about like what happened in different episodes if there's interesting process stuff that people might be interested in so, yeah uh, so that's going to be a thing you have anything else to say about that? I think that's it. Um, at this early stage in making a podcast, uh, reviews and stuff are a huge deal. So if you want to give us a review on iTunes, give us those five stars. Like I hate saying it because it's cliche, but it really does help the show. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea. I, I take your word for that. You're way more versed in mm. the world of like podcasts because you listen to them. Yeah. If you I know, just make them. I don't you know, have time to listen to them. It, if you're into like like any kind of fanfic site or whatever, and like you know you like what we do, pass it on to to people like that. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if it's not your thing, that's totally fine. It's not going to be for everyone. But you might know someone who might enjoy it. Yeah, like, like tell them. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that's all for that. Uh, we always appreciate you guys writing mm -hmm. in. Uh, Postatomicore at Gmail. I do not know when our next supplemental is going to be. It's going to be quite some time. Yeah. Uh, but we will always answer your email. We love hearing from you. Um, the website, poststomachcore.com. The Tumblr, poststomachcore.tumblr.com. We are on Twitter at Algar, at Robot Matt. Next week will be the first episode of us reviewing non-Star Trek things. Yep. We, uh, once again, reviewing the five-part premiere of the cartoon Gargoyles. Mm -hmm. uh, just search for Disney's Gargoyles is the easiest way because there's a lot of things with gargoyles in the name. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll be covering that. That is available on Amazon. It's probably on iTunes and some other things, so you, can, you should be able to get to that. Um, and we'll be back next week with that. Yeah, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Elgar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2019. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.